to leave. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first ever Bull City Winter Tennis. It's good to be here. Ah, I came in early. Too soon. That is my co-host who I will introduce momentarily. This is the Bull City Winter Tennis season preview, never been done before. I am Shane Ryan, commissioner, so happy to join you. And I am with a man who just this year has won a state championship in the spring. He has gone to sectionals in the spring. He has gone to the state championships in mixed doubles. He is captaining a team in singles that is going to the state championship. And as far as I know, he was going to the state championship in USTA fall combo. Ladies and gentlemen. Going to sectionals for mixed doubles, too. Uh, all of that pales in comparison to having won the whip for uh, Lemoyne South last year, Bull City Winter Tennis League. And uh, what else did I win? I won the... Um, I believe uh, it was the Kirschenfeld Bullpipe. <laughs> the Kirschenfeld Bullpipe. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ivan Ross. Hello. Uh, so, Ivan, uh, I am thrilled to be here with you. Uh, we're going to talk about, among other things, the first week of the Bull City Winter Tennis 2019-20 uh, season. This is our fourth year running this, correct? Uh, that rings a bell. Uh, first year was a little uh, touch and go, but um, we I feel as though we've really hit our stride. We've hit our stride. The league fee did not increase, so our finances are in order. And uh, I just feel like very, uh, very happy that this thing has uh, got some legs. It's got some longevity. How do you? How has it changed your life being co-commissioner um, under me for this for this league? <laughs> uh, let's see. How has it changed my life? Uh, it's given my life purpose. Um, Let's see, I'll make the same joke I made in the pre-match interview before the uh, Consolation Championship against TJ Newton last year. Uh, uh, it's given my life purpose in a way that nothing else has, and this is coming from someone whose daughter just turned one year old. I'm glad you prefaced that, because if you hadn't said that, you'd already said Everybody's seen that for sure, so they would have known you were a, a joke-repeating hack. without. Yeah, my, re my reputation precedes itself, for sure. <laughs> All right, so we both have daughters that we have to attend to, so let's get the show on the road. Um, we have such an exciting league this year, and Ivan, week one is an interleague week, and I think the match that we all want to see, that we all want to talk about, um, a repeat of an unbelievable quarterfinal upset from last year. Talking about something that no one saw, that neither of us saw it, as but far as the we results know, were incredible. As far as we know, it didn't happen, but it definitely did. Uh, it was Chris Jakes, um, the champion of the, what, 27-2018 season. Mazel tov, Mr. Jakes. Taking on, what, what, are, we, what are we congratulating him for? Uh, Chris Jakes um, uh, recently proposed <clears throat> uh, uh, marriage to his uh, girlfriend, uh, whom he first went on a date with the day he won the Hieronymus Horn, I think. In 2017. So that's interesting. How does he know that she is truly into him and not just because like someone like attracted to the fame from winning a, a Bull City Winter Tennis Championship? Uh, well, we can probably judge that by the fact that she said yes, even though Chris Jakes lost to his week one opponent last year. And that is, of course, Tanita Tidam Rongwanish. I'm going to pronounce that name fast so it sounds like I know what I'm doing. Call her Tadam. So damn, and so yeah, this is uh, this is going to be an incredible one. Tanita defeated Chris Jakes last year in the quarterfinals. I think we all sort of assumed that Jakes was going to win a second title. He was going to defend. He was going to be our first repeat champion. 
it didn't happen, and it, it really kind of exploded the whole bracket. Uh, and Lawrence Isaacs, of course, went on to win the title. But what do you expect from this uh, this matchup, Ivan? Is it was it a fluke last year? Continue to do it again? Is it possible? Is the revenge motive too strong for Chris? Uh, <sighs> Chris, I, I feel as though Chris is a black box. Uh, no one can peer inside. I, <laughs> I, and he can survive a plane crash. I see. <laughs> I see him uh, coming out with the same fire that he always does. Um, I don't know if we're making predictions here or not, but I mean, please I, let let's set the over under on number of games that Tanita wins at. Ooh, I don't know. Seven? Seven so, oh. seven and a half. You taking the over or under on that? I mean, this is someone who who is coming off a victory over Chris Jakes, but Chris Jakes has to be considered the favorite heading in. I think I think you're right. I think Chris, uh, you know, not to take anything away from Tanita's victory, which is incredible. I think Chris is probably going to be double down in focus. If and, and if anything, it's going to be harder this time for Tanita to win. So you put the over under at seven and a half, which means... A 6-4, 6-3 Jake's win would put Tanita under. Yeah. I have every confidence in the world in Tanita. She beat me last year. She's one of the best players I've ever seen in person. I, I've never played against her. I have only warmed up with her across the net, and I was taken aback by how crisp her strokes were. Very crisp, very technical player, very sound. Um, I, I, I think she's got a chance. I will take the over on 7.5. I think Jake's might end up getting the W here. We don't know, but I, I think Tanita's going to give him more of a fight than maybe some of the pundits are, are saying. They, all two of them. Uh, these are also, let's see, I'm looking down the list of players, racking my brain, and I'm going to go out on a limb and, 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 and declare that these are the uh, two most physically fit Oh, great uh, call. Players, great call. and they're probably happy with the fact that the Bull City winter, emphasis on winter, Tennis League is starting uh, uh, just a couple days after, um, uh, uh, what is it, like 98 degrees, you know? So uh, um, The band. <clears throat> Great All joke. Right. <laughs> Great joke. No, you're Take right. They are, they, are, they are mere images of each other in a way, aren't they? Like, they're both runners. They both can get to everything. And they both, yeah, they're both dogged and, and will love the hot weather. Totally agree. We got, uh, wow, the namesake of the horn himself michael hieronymus going up against uh the man who currently holds the hieronymus horn lawrence isaacs um now i say currently holds i mean it, in fact we 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 do obtain a new horn from uh uh the ukraine the... <laughs> it's from the, it's literally from, it's literally it's literally from kiev <laughs> Uh, I've been on the phone with the president of the Ukraine, encouraging him to start an investigation into other <laughs> horn making factories. We'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, it's uh, this is a rematch, Ivan. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see I'd, I'd like to see each of them bring their uh, respective horns to the court, hang them uh, uh, off their respective benches. Um, although we can also assume they're going to play in some Durham City Park that does not have benches. Mm -hmm. uh, regardless. Who do you see? Okay, last last year, uh, uh, the progression of this match was such that uh, Lawrence got off to the hot start in both sets, and it was Michael who came back to make make each set interesting. Not interesting enough uh, by his measure, but um, do you see the same the same uh, uh, same match unfolding this time? 
I hope so, because I, I would say that was, considering the stakes and the circumstances, maybe the best or one of the best Bull City matches we've had, because both players did something very hard. Michael, first of all, coming back twice in a row, being down big, and then Lawrence doing the even harder thing, arguably, of suffering this comeback where you're up 5-1, 5-2, it's 5-5, and then actually like you know doubling down, drawing deep, and getting the win. So that, that was a classic. Uh, I don't know what they've been up to this offseason, okay? So... Michael, young, fit, uh, he got, got his whole life ahead of him. Lawrence, a savvy veteran, but, you know, probably needs to work a little harder, be in a hyperbaric chamber like Tom Brady. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what the fitness is going to be like. I would say uh, Lawrence was the deserving winner in the end last year. He may be, um, I think Lawrence is a 4-5, so the skill level might be just slightly higher. Uh, I would put him as the favorite pending a few things, pending the offseason regimen, pending the weather, uh, and pending, you know, the respective fire they bring. Yeah, you, you have to consider as well that uh, one of uh, 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 the check marks in Hieronymus's uh, column last year was the fact that he was a veteran and Lawrence was uh, uh, but a rookie. True. Not going to be the case this year. Um, I also wonder... Just how much tennis Michael Hieronymus plays? <laughs> it, oh, strikes, it strikes me that fair. he does he ne- not play know. very much. He, he, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't see him out on the USTA circuit that often. Maybe he's uh, progressed to the Challenger Tour. I don't know. Uh, but I know that Lawrence is a mainstay of Eno 4-5 USTA league play. He's been active uh, to his detriment too much. We'll see. All right, Ivan, the next match we've got here in the Interleague North is one I am extremely excited for. We've got a matchup of two rookies. On one hand, you have Parker Sheridan, who you, I believe we all met at, you met first at Southern Boundaries. Yeah, he came to doubles pickup. And he's become an integral part of some of your teams, some state championship bound teams. He, um, he, he uh, 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 somehow I and several other people convinced him to sandbag, and Lord, did he ever. He He is a... 3-5, uh, going on 5-0. And USTA officials, if you're listening, uh, the word sandbag was used as parody. <laughs> it's completely fine. It's not meant to be literal. He's taking on... I think this conversation is perfect. He's taking on Eric Hall, uh, who is another rookie who I have never met in person. Yeah, Eric Hall has been on a couple USTA teams uh, of mine, and I'm not sure that I've ever met him as well. I'm, well, no, I shouldn't I shouldn't say that. I've probably met the man, Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I don't know what his style of play is. I don't know what he's capable of. I do know that Parker Sheridan um, is a crafty player who can also hit the hell out of the ball, and that's a... Uh, tough combination for any opponent. Well, I'll tell you this about Eric Hall, a little origin story. He's in the league because Lucas Hubbard, uh, a mainstay, a former semifinalist, uh, Lucas asked if, uh, on his behalf if, if there was a spot available, and it turned out there was. But the scouting report from Lucas is they play singles quite a bit, and Eric Hall has the better of him. So if Eric Hall can beat Lucas Hubbard, uh, you know, no joke there. So I, I think this is a clash of the titans, really. And uh, I think one that a lot of uh, students of the league who are looking at the rookies are going to be quite quite interested in. Yeah, and you know, heading into it, just just thinking about the ratings themselves, you have to consider that Eric is the favorite since he's the four zero, and Parker is the lone three. No, he's not. Paul Cox is also a three five, but uh, Paul, uh, Parker Sheridan is one of two three fives um, uh, in the North Division, and psychologically, it's hard to gauge. Uh, what that does to you 
you know, uh, heading into each match. Um, I, I came up with something, Ivan, I think you'll like. Yeah. Which is that every time Eric Hall hits a passing shot, we call it a Hall Pass. A Hall Pass. Just like we used to get ages ago when we were young tennis players in our middle school and high school days. Uh, fun fact, I did not pick up the game of tennis until like six years ago. Yeah, I was um, I was a junior, <laughs> I was a junior circuit player. I won, I was a semifinalist at Junior French Open. I mean, things have fallen off for me in recent days, but yeah, that was my history. All right, so next we have Paul Cox, of course, a player we all know and we all love, against the guy who I am so pleased is returning to the He's league. Coming back. This was someone who was really sad to lose him last year. He's a, a mainstay, a stalwart. He chose to stay on the email list last year. Which just shows his character. Yeah, he did. It is the German sensation himself, Mr. Sebastian Fangler. Love his style of play. I think it makes I you know uh, uh, the secrets out. Uh, the uh, uh, commissioner Ryan and I may have handpicked these matchups. Oh, maybe. Maybe. I mean, uh, you, there's there's uh, there's some talk of collusion having having occurred. Um, the clash of styles in this match is uh going to be something to behold i've i've never seen a player who better approximates the style of uh famed bc wtl legend ezekiel spin dr lemoyne (laughs) than sebastian fingler himself he's good man i yeah paul is such a pure player and has such pretty strokes but He's going to have to hit those strokes like at the net because Sebastian will be drop-shotting him at will. He'll be serving weird serves in the middle of a match for no reason. Before serving, he'll move to the far side. Sebastian is a, a brilliant player who will get in your head, and he's got every trick in the book. Um, he's absolute nightmare to play, but but a really... Have you, play, have you played Sebastian before? I've played Sebastian... Um, have I played him in Bull City? I'm not sure. I've played him a bunch just for fun. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've played I've, him once in USTA play, and he uh, he handled me. Yeah, he's he's really good. He um, I think I once got four games off him in a set, but that's as good as it's ever gotten. He's just too he's just too tricky and too smart. In my match against Sebastian, um, uh, I got a broken string, and then one game later, I got a broken string on my backup racket, and I had to use someone else's racket to finish. And I actually ended up doing better with someone else's racket, and he uh uh. <laughs> like the good sport that he is congratulated me on having hit so well with the backup racket in route to his i don't know what two and two victory whatever it was yeah he's a class act and we, we lost matt curry this year uh who i also consider a mainstay um hopefully he'll be back at some point in the future he, but he, he won the the bull horn the, the spirit the, a spirit bell of some sort spirit bell, <laughs> which yeah. i still haven't given him uh but he did win it and so yeah with, with him gone it's it's nice to have someone like sebastian back yeah absolutely preview of the next uh, spirit award winner maybe uh all right then we got uh lucas hubbard against one al pick in a battle of southpaws now uh, shane uh, explain explain to those not in the know what what's what's a southpaw a southpaw is someone who um whose paw <laughs> that they use predominantly is more often facing the south pole and some people, a shorthand for that that some people use is left-handed. Um, of course, left-handed people are always tend to be facing the South for whatever reason. I don't know. It's, it's something sort of sinister about them. Um, so anyway, yeah, Lucas and Al, that's a great matchup. I mean, Lucas is, 
Oh man, Lucas has a ton of skill, but he's also a great hustler and he's also got terrific speed. Al is somebody you and I met this year. Mm. Has a lot in common with me, if I may say. Um, he's much younger, but he um, he's got uh, Duke in his background. I think he might work that. He's got an English degree in his background, as I do. Mm. And in fact, he lives like three blocks from me now, or he lives very close. So Al's a really nice guy, and um, you know, he I think he took you down in doubles at one point this year. You played against him. Um, yeah, he, he did, in fact. He took down uh, me and uh, fellow BCWTL rookie Andrew Winsens. That's right. That's right. In a three-setter. Yeah, so he's a great player, and he's. it's going to be really fun to have him in the league, and I'm super thrilled that he's playing. So, yeah, wait. This is both a battle of Southpaws and a battle of uh, Duke grads. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if Al is a Duke grad or not. He he's At some point, he lived in California. He oh, okay. Might be that he works at Duke, or he, he may have gone to grad school there. I, I don't quite know, but there is a Duke connection there. Um, Lucas is from Maine. Al's from California, so we're really sort of cross-transcontinental on this one. Oof. So there's like, yeah, Northeast versus West Coast, <laughs> our version of <laughs> a rap a, battle. <laughs> as, a, as opposed to Cox v. Fingler, which is your classic transatlantic. Transatlantic, uh-huh. Um, so yeah, so this is going to be really good. Uh, Al's got a tricky game. I might put him as the slight favorite in this one, but really, really kind of a coin well, flip. Uh, Lucas has been my uh, doubles partner through throughout 7-5 Combo and I've seen him pull off some miraculous uh, uh, left-hand banana shots, and I, I think Al's going to have his his hands full. And you know, we we uh, at the at the top of the show we talked about um, uh, Chris Jakes only having lost a single match. It was almost two because Lucas right. Hubbard gave him a hell of a match uh, in the semifinals of the of uh, the. 2017-18 season in route to to Jake's uh, uh, capturing the horn, and I think that was um, yeah possibly Chris's hardest match of the year and the quintessential Lucas match really just kept the pressure up. You and I were both there um, at the Duke courts East Campus, and Lucas just dogged him and really kind of uh, put him under the caution as they would say in England. Chris was a little bit uh, he had a little trouble on his hands, but he came through it. He won that championship and. Uh, yeah, that same year, I know Sam Berger took a set off Jake's, but other than that, really, Chris didn't sweat it too much um, all year. So next, uh, match number six in the Interleague North, we have Aldrin Huacapara versus Tyler Carroll, uh, the two gentlemen I played in the postseason last year. Um, both pretty close matches. I, I just nipped Aldrin and, uh, in the sorting round, and Tyler got me in the quarterfinals. Um, two really good players. Um you know, Aldrin, unbelievable doubles player, very, very good at the net. Tyler, of course, has his kick serve, um, which he hits just as well on the second as the first. It's, it's the best kick serve this, this side of uh, Birmingham. That's right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's going to be a really good match. I Again, I maybe put Tyler as the slight favorite just based on personal history, having played with them both. But uh, what, what do you see in that one? Well, I see the league's best one-handed backhand, uh, which belongs to Aldrin, against um, uh, one of the more consistent, flat, uh, two-handed backhands in Tyler's. Um, neither player has a weakness that, that jumps out at me. Uh, uh, Aldrin's game is so pure, and if he's on, he's on, and I think can compete against anyone on the board. I agree. I, I will say about Tyler Carroll, and this is not a commentary on Aldrin, who himself is a smart player, but I think Tyler might be one of the more clever players. And I think he's a player who is um, 
in a, in a really helpful way for him analyzing a match as it's being played. A lot of times it seems like he makes smart adjustments in a way I've never sort of been able to do until after the match. I think he's really good at adjusting within matches and, uh, that, that always makes him uh, uh, pretty tough. If that's the case, then he made a hell of an adjustment uh, last year in the playoffs when I was facing him and had a set point that, uh, no surprise, I lost. But it cleared the way for you to go take that pipe home. So yeah. in the end, maybe. It's the beauty of, of BCWTL. There's always another path to glory. That's right. Uh, let's see. What do we got next? Uh, Marion Wing against David Bedour, the Chapel Hill Country Club fiend himself. Two great people. Um, I've actually never met David in person, but, <laughs> but, but just from email interactions, he's an extremely nice guy. I, I met him a couple weeks ago. I, I, I can vouch for him. You and I met his wife, actually, um, at uh, Spring State. Oh, you're absolutely because right. Because she is yep. on Cindy Winzenz's team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, there's Marion Wing, who just a gem of a person, Always really nice, always full of compliments. So this is like the uh, Mr. and Miss Congeniality match. Um, but they're also both really, really strong tennis players, which obviously I think Marion's won national championships and, you know, every kind of thing you can imagine. So this one, I, I have no idea how to predict, but I think it's going to be uh, a really fun one and one of those ones that I'm anxious to see the scoreline. And, uh, yeah, both in their second year, so both looking to, uh, to capitalize on some experience. And I don't know, how do you see this one going? Uh, oh, there's no predicting this match. I, I don't know how David plays. I mean, he looks like a very fit gentleman, uh, whose running prowess is, is up there. So he can probably scramble pretty well. Don't know how pure his strokes are, but he's a four Oh in the best, uh, uh, tennis city in the world. So, um, I, oh, Durham, not Chapel Hill. But, um, <laughs> but Chapel Hill Tennis Country Club is close to Durham, so he, he gets that little like fair enough. Knock off uh, uh, all I know is that last year at around this time, Marion Wing was the most uh, excited BCWTLer, and uh, uh, in fact played in the inaugural match for that year against Tyler Carroll. Right, she could Tyler. not wait to get her season underway. And uh, she gave Tyler a hell of a match last year. Lord knows she gave me a hell of a match and had match points against me. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, wing in three. Wing in three. I love it. All right, this next one I'm going to introduce. Ivan Ross, I think it's fair to say, I'm not telling tales out of school, to say that last year, by winning the Kirschenfeld Bullpipe, you slayed some personal demons, some personal BCWTL demons, and uh, gave yourself a lot of confidence. Maybe it helped, you know, with everything that happened this year. Maybe it was the momentum you needed. You went out and won that pipe. You beat some really good players. Uh, you won a whip. But, however, but however, if there is one sort of fly in the ointment in your BCWTL career, that fly is named Sam Berger, who has beaten you in the regular season, has beaten you in the playoffs, has beaten you in the cross divisional classic. Um, you know, you and I and Sam are good friends, and we play all the time. In normal matches, you and Sam go 50-50, if not more for you. Uh, but in BCWTL, I hate to use the word own, but I think he is, uh, he's owned you a little bit. And so this one a lot, got a lot of people talking, this matchup. Sam Berger, Ivan Ross. You've played him recently. You've beat him recently, twice, I believe. I beat him bad. You're the favorite. After your year coming in, you're the favorite, but there is still that question, isn't it's, there? It's, it's Bull City, though. It, it, <laughs> but... 
Bull City's different, and uh, I may I. I I may have won the Kirschenfeld pipe last year, but I didn't have to go through Sam to do it. And most people would assume that if I had had to go through Sam to get it, eh, that pipe wouldn't be mine today. In fact, one of the two matches I lost last year was to Sam in the Cross Divisional Classic. <laughs> I, I've never beaten the man in, in Bull City Winter Tennis. Uh, he's taken me out of the playoffs in... Uh, the first year, the, fir- the first year, maybe the first two, I think, right? That might be right. Yeah. <clears throat> um, one of those matches was really weird because uh, I I got off to a hot start and then it rained a little bit and we had to I remember pick that. up the yeah. action later. I yeah, whatever. I don't know. How do you see this one going? I I'm gonna go ahead and fill you with confidence. I think last year you were in top form and you know you are you are what the record says you are. I think maybe you would have beaten Sam last year uh, if it came to it. This year, I, I gotta say, you're the favorite. I expect you to win. I mean, you've you know you've been Sam's got a new baby. You've been playing. You've been having the year of your life. I think Ross is the favorite. I think you're gonna. If I had to put money down, it'd be on you. But you know, again, there's that lingering thought. Who knows? So, we'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see how the cookie crumbles. All right, moving along as quickly as possible, <laughs> so I don't have to talk about myself anymore. Uh, we got a rookie, Kyle Arend, uh, recently. Married, congratulations, Mazel Tov. Uh, going against league veteran Sean, the Blaze Man Blazer. Yeah, terrific matchup of two very athletic people. Um, Sean probably hits the ball a little harder. Kyle is incredibly pinpoint precise. He teamed up with you, obviously, um, to to help take home the state title in the spring in doubles. Uh, don't know what his profile is like as a singles player, but uh, I do know Sean. I've played Sean. Sean's beat me. Um, you and Sean had a terrific rivalry mm. last year and a great match that you mm. that you took him down in at the very end. Sean's a great player. Um, Sean can run all day. Uh, Blazer is an appropriate last name for him. So this this is a fun match. I, uh, they might be playing Sunday, and uh, if possible, oh, yeah. I, w- I would go see that match. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll check StubHub see what the ticket prices are like. But uh, <laughs> Kyle uh, has the stronger serve. There's no doubt about it. Um, Kyle hits a very heavy forehand. Uh, but the heavier the forehand, the the more likely it is that Sean Blazer is going to be able to run around it. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. So, looking at that, um, looking at that division, Ivan, real quick, let's just do a quick broad view. You've got Sam, Kyle, Stephen Stark, Andy, Vincent, Darren, TJ. Some really good players there. I mean, so we're talking about Clusterling South. This here. is Clusterling South. Okay. I don't know who I would put as the favorite there. I, I would say, honestly, there's four or five people I can see winning. And uh, I, I don't know. I just see such parity there. I think it's going to be some great matches in divisional play. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyone but Sam. <laughs> Anyone but Sam. No, I don't know. I, 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 honestly, I think Kyle is is the uh, is the front runner right now uh, to take Sterling South. And yet he faces a very tough matchup in his very first uh, interleague match of the year here. It'll tell us a lot. Uh, next up, we have another really good one. Steven Stark against Michael Porneros. Uh, Michael, uh, my memory of him, of course, is playing uh, our spring Durham team was pretty loaded this year, and we were playing his team at Elmira, and Michael beat Paul Cox, which is something I don't think we really expected to see anybody do. Unheard of. Yeah, all year at the 3-5 level. Um, and Michael's game was... 
Terrific. I've played him once before. Um, we went to a third set tiebreaker. This was two years ago, and he beat me. Um, he, again, another guy with just terrific strokes, very consistent. Uh, Steven Stark, uh, Chapel Hill, or what is it called? Southern Village yeah. Clubber. Um, had to drop out with injury last year, but we've all known, we've all played him. He's always, always, always a tough opponent. I might give Michael a very slight edge in this one, but uh, I, I think this is going to be another one to watch. Yeah, never played Michael in singles. Um, I've uh, played him in doubles, uh, with, mixed doubles, with one Marion Wing. Uh, and we, uh, Marion and I uh, escaped with a victory um, in, in a very tight match. I've uh, played Steven Stark in USTA action. Uh, I remember he got out to a 3-0, three, three love lead, and I stormed back. Um, much to his surprise and, and chagrin, I assume. Um, this is another one that's tough to call. I, I just don't know enough about Michael's game as a singles player, aside from the fact that he he's he's beaten the great Kenneth Paul Cox Jr. Yeah, I, I don't really have much to add here. I also uh, wonder, is Michael going to uh, uh, make the trip to Chapel Hill and make Stephen's life easier? Because, you know, as a, as a far side of Chapel Hiller, Stephen Stark has uh, uh, many a trip down 15501 ahead of him. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't. First match of the year, I think you got to make him come to Durham if it's me. But Michael's a nice guy. You never know. Got to play it on those dirty, dirty, formerly cracked, but now pristine Durham City Court. Yeah, absolutely. All right, this next one, Ivan, um, I don't know if you're going to find a bigger clash of styles in the entire first week of matchups. It's Andy Wimsens, captain of the state championship winning carry team against Stephen Howell. Um, Stephen, it has had a pretty nice year from what I've followed on USTA. Stephen's game is like he'll go very, very big, um, especially on the ground strokes. He um, He's had some shoulder issues. Those I seem, think he's healthy. Yeah, he seems healthy. Um He's got a big serve when he's healthy, and uh, Andy is a more calculating player, but a really clever and smart player. His strokes won't be as big, but he, you know, he's not going to make many errors, and he's going to make you win points. So, really, I think we're going to see war of attrition style here, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, well, uh, uh, Andy Winsens, uh, Michigander, um, met his wife while she was a waitress at an Applebee's type restaurant, I believe. That's right. <laughs> and he uh, uh, <laughs> drank while underage and in college and, and, and oh she just never carded him. Uh, that's, that's, those are the stories you hear when you, when you go to States and sectionals. Um, what were we talking about again? <laughs> about the tennis match that ah, <laughs> they tennis. were planning to play? Yes. Uh, you know, I mean, you say there's a clash of styles. I'm not so sure there is. Andy hits the ball hard. I mean, Steven hits the ball hard. I, I think Steven likes to end points a lot faster than Andy prefers to. Oh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I, I, and Andy Andy hits a, a, a hard ball, but a more calculating ball. Steven will aim for that back one-eighth inch of the line. Uh, every time and uh, yeah the only reason that that um, I was able to to beat him in in week one last year was that um, you know uh, uh, Hawkeye had that had that ball an eighth of an inch out more often than an eighth of an inch in Um, never played Andy in singles I've played with him in doubles we've won we've lost he's a good player yeah I met Andy in the fall like four or five years ago we played singles together but I never played against him He's a is he is he the first carryite? 
to join the Bull City Winter Tennis League. Yeah, because Kyle doesn't actually live in Cary, right? No, he's a Chapel Hiller. As far as I know, Andy is the first one. Um, yeah, wow. Really, uh, we invited uh, Jonathan Jenkins and uh, Victor Talbert. Talbert. Yeah, yeah, but they couldn't play this year. Maybe next year. But yeah, Andy's uh, a pioneer for sure. All right, what do we got? We got Vincent Pereja. Love that man. Against Aaron Kirschenfeld. God, I can't stand him. Uh, <laughs> what do you think about this one? This, this, we, we got a 4-0 in Vincent going up against a guy who is capable of hitting the ball as though he's on the ATP tour, um, Aaron Kirchenfeld. Do you see... Okay. A, do you see uh, Vincent getting enough sleep the night before giving his nursing, <laughs> given his nursing duties... Uh, uh, to show up ready, ready for a battle, and B, do you see Aaron um, uh, containing his, uh, good lord, Benoit Pair esque uh, uh, tendencies? Um, yeah, Aaron. Uh, going from experience last year, I needed to win a divisional match against Aaron to have a chance at the pipe, or sorry, at the at the whip, and. He went up 5-1 against me and really felt like he was playing a 4-5 player. And it was like, this is awful, embarrassing, and he's just killing me. I don't belong on the same court with him. Then things changed a little bit. I just kept some consistency up, and the whole match turned around because Aaron maybe made a few errors. So, I mean, if I were advising, if I were Vincent's coach, I would say, you know, keep the ball in play and, and bide your time. That being said, Aaron can win matches just on pure aggression um, and pure skill. I mean, he's got an unbelievably big forehand uh, he's got a nice serve, and he, he's certainly good enough backhand that you can't take advantage of it. But we all know Vincent is incredibly skilled, too. I mean, Vincent, oh, I believe, is a 4-0. Um, yeah, it, this is this is one of those matches that it really does feel whoever comes in um, feeling better that day or just sort of having the better day is going to be the one to take it down. I think the thing, the thing about Aaron that I admire so much is uh, how his game actually does remind me of of a, of, of a professional player's game <laughs> yeah. in that when a professional player is facing break point or a professional player, uh, uh, you know, it needs to, to hold a tight game to, to, you know, uh, put a match away. Um, it's not as though they can afford to play it safe. They still have to hit the hell out of the ball and that's the way Aaron approaches his matches, and it's because oh, yeah. he has oh, respect yeah. for his opponents, and he assumes that as good a shot as he's going to give his opponents, a good one's going to come right back at him, and that means if he's going to win a point, he's going to win it with a winner that whizzes by you. The, the match will always be on Aaron's terms, I think. Absolutely. Pretty much always. All right, so next we have Darren DeWalt, another Southern Villager, um, playing in Clusterling South against Gray Wilson, uh, playing in Lemoyne South. Um, these guys, you know, I wish I had my records more handy. I assume they must have played at some point last year. Uh, in fact, I know they did because they're in the same division. Darren, um, Darren is one of those people who is supremely skilled at things that most of us aren't skilled at because he's practiced them. So in other words, he won't miss an overhead, for instance. Like, he actually knows what he's doing on overheads while the rest of us are pretty much guessing. Gray is a great athlete who doesn't, uh, I mean, like, he plays basketball. He does everything. He doesn't devote the majority of his focus to tennis, but he's still always tough just because he's, he is, like, a naturally athletic person that you can tell immediately, like, he's 
more athletic than you are <laughs> when you're on the court. Uh, Darren practices medicine. Gray practices law. Oh, yeah. Might just be that Darren practices tennis a little bit more. Maybe. And this, um, this, but I think this will be a close match. And um, again, I wonder if we'll see uh, Gray, another of the league's nice guys, a good friend of both of ours. Maybe he'll go to, to Chapel Hill and, and uh, break in the season at Southern Village. Who did we see Darren DeWalt dismantle last year? <laughs> did, he had a huge win late in the season. Did he beat Sam, perhaps? Uh, no, it wasn't Sam. It was. Um... He beat Jonathan Black. Oh, he, he beat Sean Blazer. He beat Sean Blazer and he, he beat Jonathan Black. Darren finished the season on an absolute tear. Yeah, yeah. I think before, actually, I think before. When he he's on, he's on. The match you're thinking of with Sam was a USTA match at Southern Village where Sam had to win in a third set to secure that match for uh, for our team. Oh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah, and that was an absolute battle. I Well, when I played Darren, I played one of the best sets of my life. And then he turned it on, and it was a completely, completely different story. He beat me in the second set, and I, I think I survived 11-9 in the tiebreaker by the skin of my teeth. Yeah, Darren, Darren can absolutely beat everyone. Uh, and also, uh, current holder of the Brass Spittoon as the hero for Klusterling in last ah, year's right. CDC. So, yeah, he's got that trophy to his name already, already decorated two years into Bull City. All right. Last but not least, we got <clears throat> Thomas... T.J. Newton. Thomas going, Jefferson Newton, maybe. Going up against one Jonathan Black. Yeah, uh, T.J. Um, T.J. is just a good, tough player. He improved, I think, constantly last year and uh, had you on the ropes a little bit in that championship match for about a half hour. To say the hour, least. To say the least. And then you turned it on. Um, but he, he had so many big wins last year. Um, I believe he beat Darren and then Sam to get to you in the um, – in the uh, in the bullpipe bracket, and uh, but then again, like Jonathan is just Jonathan might have the best backhand in the entire South Division. His backhand is extremely strong. He can hit it for winners, which is not something you generally see at the three five or necessarily even the four zero level. Um, and so yeah, Jonathan beat me last year. He was the only loss for me in division, and uh, I, I just felt like he was overpowering me, and he was the better player on the court. However, he can be beat, and you know TJ could beat him. I think this is probably one of the best matches of the whole week um, and one that I, I couldn't even begin to to take a guess at who would win. No idea. I've never seen Jonathan Black play tennis. I presume that he can. Uh, I know that he works for Duke University. I know that right. TJ does not. That's about all I know. All right. Well, that is week one uh, of the of the uh, Bull City Winter Tennis League. All right. Only 10 more to go, folks. We're getting there. 10 more to go. <laughs> All right, do we want to, before we go, let's take a quick look at the divisions and just give some broad thoughts. Well, first of all, I think everyone out there is wondering how uh, Commissioner Ryan's uh, ACL recovery is going. I appreciate that. I'm four and a half months into it. I'm told that at nine months, I may be able to return to sports. Uh, so we're halfway there. Um, not, I'm out, unfortunately, for this year, but um, I'm certainly not out for life. Next year, I'll uh, hopefully, good Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, I'll be in. Um, all right, let's talk about what are we talking about? I want to get your opinion on uh, the match most likely to happen first 
and the match most likely either never to happen. No, 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 that God forbid, <laughs> or the match uh, most likely to be postponed and postponed and postponed again. Uh, a la the Tanita v. Vincent week one matchup from last happened. year that never happened. Well, this year we didn't do t- uh, Tanita versus Marion because we <laughs> learned halfway through last year that they'll never play each other. That's like a friendship bond they have. I respect that. Um, most likely to happen first, I think like Eric Hall, once he joined, got his like stuff done immediately. He really has this. He's really glad to be in the league. And uh, so he against Parker, I think, might be one that we might see quickly. Um, I already said Kyle and Sean might happen soon. Um, you know, Andy versus Steven is one that looks, I think those two guys both have it on the ball. That could happen. And then to go the other way, one, <laughs> one that may never happen. <laughs> I don't know if I see it up there, man. These people, uh, we, I think we kind of weeded out some of the, you know, some of the chaff that didn't play their matches. I don't know. What do you think? It's Vincent V. Aaron. Yeah, but Aaron's pretty on top of things. And you know, Vincent has, has vowed this year. He's he's there. He's there. To, he's in it to win it. Last year, Aaron was like 20 minutes late to my match. All right. Well, we've called him out. <laughs> <laughs> You've done it. All right. Real quick. Uh, Lemoyne North, looking at the divisions, what do you see there? Season uh, I, I, I see the uh, holder of the horn, Lawrence Isaacs. Someone has to dethrone him if they, if, 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 if they want to take the whip. I'm going to go to Clusterly North. I'm going to, my analysis is Chris Jakes, obviously the favorite. Um, but I think Parker Sheridan could challenge him, could even give him a match. And, you know, there's a lot of dark horses in there. I look at maybe Lucas Hubbard having a comeback year and, and maybe making a big run. Who do, do you agree with my assessment of LeMoyne North? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, right. I think you nailed it. Uh, LeMoyne South, I mean, one, one name uh, jumps out. It's the shortest name. It's the nicest name. Uh, Ivan Ross. Russian and English in one name. Amazing. Um, Klusterling South. I, I like Michael Pornaros to win Lemoyne South going away. Yeah, so do I, to be honest. Klusterling <laughs> <laughs> uh, South. Klusterling South we already talked about a little. Um, you know, I'll give some love to Sam. I'll give some love to TJ. And, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That That's a wide open one. I think we really could see anybody. But I'll, I'll flag those two guys for now. I gotta say, I, I I see Sam and Kyle as as front runners right now with uh, uh, Vincent's game uh, capable of giving them a, a run for their money. Uh, Sam has a new little baby girl. Kyle is recently married. No telling when uh, he's gonna knock up his wife. Oh boy! So <laughs> that uh, you know that could slow his game down as well. We'll see. All right, so we are just about at our conclusion here, um, Ivan. I will offer some closing thoughts and uh, and then kick it to you. I am just happy that uh, the league is still going. We're in year four. Um, a big thank you to everybody listening. If you're still listening, <laughs> God help you. Uh, but no, it's uh, it's cool to have. I love all the people in it. And um, yeah, I'm just uh, really excited to see some matches. Yeah, we got to finish on a strong note here because most likely uh, people listen for about 30 seconds and then skip to the end to see uh, uh, how it finished. And uh, truth be told, I don't think we had prepared any kind of wrap-up. So do it. Improvise it. Get it. All right. It's time for your Bull City Winter Tennis League uh, historical moment. Uh, On this date in 1934, Roshwell Mendenhall uh, famously called out his week one opponent, Bob Stockenheimer and then fell off a ladder while painting a chicken coop and was unable to compete. 
That was one high chicken coop, folks. <laughs> All right. See you later, everybody. Good luck out there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one that left it, but I can't you see I